Welcome along, Peter, for another health and well-being. How would you be, sir? I'm very well today. Thanks, Mark. Now, today you've got, uh, I guess, weight and obesity and all that sort of stuff on your mind today. So where will we take today's program? Well, look, it's interesting. You've probably heard the mantra that, you know, weight loss, about weight loss a thousand times, that it's calories in versus calories out. But what um, is becoming more and more obvious is that it's just not that simple. Um, and that's what we're going to discuss today. There's four big areas that can contribute to why someone may be having trouble losing weight, plus a whole host of added reasons that probably weren't around 20 years ago. So, um, I guess it all comes back to diet. It begins and ends there always. And uh, where we, how do we need to factor that into our conversation today? Well, look, as I was saying in the the intro, like the the common misconception for a lot of people, and you know, it's interesting how judgmental. We slip into that judgmental frame of mind when we look at someone like still in our culture. If we see someone, then they're overweight. It's it's hard not to have that little voice in the back of your head making all sorts of assumptions about that person. You know, they obviously eat too much crap, or they, ooh, sorry, eat too much junk food. Eat too much junk um, food. You're lazy. They all don't of that. exercise. Yeah. They're lazy. Like it's really really a difficult stigma to get away from. But um, researchers have firmly debunked the myth that all calories are identical. And that to lose weight, all you need to do is expend more calories than you consume. Now, it's true that we all do consume way too many calories. And since about the 1970s, we are generally as a population eating more, you know, even for our our normal meal size, we're eating more than what we did back in the 1970s. So they did this great study actually where they showed people um, different size main meals. And the majority of people picked the main meal that was a third more than what was really ideal for us. I'd be in that group. <laughs> yeah. But that yeah. comes... Okay, so then meal size generally are bigger. Obviously, if you're eating a... a and we all know what bad food looks like, right? That's, yes. That's not, that's not a secret. But where's the problem, or is there a problem, uh, if we've got a really good meal full of really good stuff, if we're having more of that? Is that... Can that... With can the, also, the idea of wanting to do something good, can, we can still flip that around and do the bad thing with it. Um, look, it comes back to the balance. Like in a nutshell, research shows that calories gleaned from bread, refined sugars, and processed foods promote overeating. Whereas, so uh, certain foods like um, like bread is one of the most processed foods, and you know often we rely on such a staple. The problem with eating bread is the more bread you tend to eat, the more bread you tend to want. Oh, so easy. for a lot of yeah. people, if they're looking to cut down. Um, calories, cut the calories associated, cut out the bread, but replace those calories with healthy food. When you eat other foods like fish and chicken and meat and vegetables and salad, you don't have a piece of fish and then think, oh, I'm going to go and make another five pieces. (laughs) But if you're making toast for yourself, you might have a couple of pieces and then think you're going to go and you just keep eating. Mm. So yeah, it's where the calories come from are important. And unfortunately, you know, a lot of diets, it's interesting, a lot of diets work, but a lot of diets work because they are low carb. Um, so, you know, diets like the paleo diet, the CSIRO diet, um, our modified elimination diet, once we start to cut down or cut out cereals and grains, like that's where we straight away we're cutting out carbs and then we're going to find that we're going to lose weight. So a lot of diets work for fat loss, but it's because they're reducing the carbs. So that's probably the number one thing is... Not the calories as such, although calories are important, but it's where those calories are coming from. And the calories, if you want to lose weight, the calories to try and restrict are things like, um, I call them the white flowers and white sugar. 
definitely the ones to, to stay away from as much as you can. Yeah, because if you think about it, like bread is one of the most processed foods, and I love good quality bread. And I might have like an organic sourdough on the weekend if we go out for breakfast. But always I try love not how Peter to eat just, it every day. Always loves how Peter just drops. By the way, it's never a, never a toasted sandwich. It's an organic sourdough. For lunch, <laughs> it's never a it's it's never a drink. Well, it's always you, an, a smoothie. I always think if you're going to um, eat bread. Some bread, like it needs to be organic and full grain and as healthy as possible. All right, practicing what he preaches, I guess. Uh, on diets, though, this afternoon, Bridget at Belmont, you've got a question for Peter about the HCG diet. What's going on? Um, good afternoon. Um, recently went to see my doctor and because um, I've been having problems losing weight and just the fat just kept adding on and was diagnosed with a few other problems. Yes. Um, so one of my friends put me onto this HCG diet. Yep. Uh, so you're having um, a little bit of a potion of a morning and night, and your first um, 30 days is um, 500 calorie, um, very specific diet. Yes. Yeah, I'm familiar with the with the diet. Yeah. So I'm just wondering how long that is sustainable. Look, personally, I'm not a big fan of the HCG diet. It was in vogue quite a few years ago, and they actually used to use um, human chorionic gonadotrophic hormone, which is the pregnancy hormone. So the early stages of the diet, it was prescribed by certain doctors. They gave you the hormone, and the idea was that you stuck to 500 calories a day for 30 days, as you said. You couldn't apply fats or oils to your skin or moisturizers. You really had to be super strict. I've seen too many women do that diet and end up, like in my mind, really stuffing up their metabolisms as a result of it. So um, I think 500 calories a day for 30 days is far too restrictive. And um, I think the like so many diets, the whole rebound thing is just as real after doing something like that <clears throat> as what other diets are. Yeah, um, I've joined a couple of Facebook groups for support and everything. Yeah. And... Um, after a certain period of time, you start adding um, other foods back in into your your diet, so you're not you know restricting. I think it's just yeah. the first few months to get that um, bulk fat away. Yeah. Look, uh, as, as I said, like I've seen it work for people, but the big problem with weight loss, I find, is that you know a lot of uh, there's a lot of different ways we can lose body fat you can do hcg diet as i was talking about the paleo diet the fast 800 diet getting the fat off is awesome but the challenge is the maintenance side of things after and i know what you're saying with the hcg diet they do have a, a reintroduction program after but that's where with any weight loss program you've got to be super strict because to really reset your weight You've got, to, you've got to really get your weight down to ideal and then stick with it for 12 months. All right. Thank you very much uh, for that, Bridget. And uh, I think that's a challenge, isn't it, Peter? Because uh, these things, though, you'll get a result, you'll get a, a flash result straight away, but then you, you, you can't, the, your metabolism's got to pick up the pieces. Yeah, and you've got to give your body time to adjust. And that's what I found with the HCG diet, personally, from observation, is that mm. it can get great results for people very quickly. But um, then we've still got the issue of rebound weight after the fact if you don't do the maintenance part successfully. And um, I think that sort of restriction for 30 days can really 
play a bit of mental havoc as well. So I'm not a big fan of that. Like, but but each to their own. Like, I'm sure Bridget will do well with that. And good luck with the Bridget, Peter. It's a day where we're trying to get weight loss on our mind. I know you, in a moment you want to talk about hormonal imbalance, but before we get there, we are back on the phone, and it's a hello to Colin at East Maitland. Colin, you've got another question about low carb diets. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Peter, I have uh, been uh, changed my lifestyle so that now I have a low-carb, no-sugar diet. Yes. And uh, was wondering how long that was sustainable or is it just a lifestyle that I can adopt for uh, the future? Um, look, I, I think they're a really good question. So you've been following a low-carb diet, low-carb, low-sugar diet. And you're worried about the long-term consequences of following that diet, how you're going to be able to stick to it? Uh, not, I, I think I've changed my lifestyle, so I find it very easy. I mean, it's really good now that, you know, Coles and Woolworths and the supermarkets are, are actually stocking a lot of low-carb yeah. uh, options. Yeah. So it's very easy. I find it very easy to maintain. Well, look, and, I... Uh, I mean, I've already lost 14 kilos and I'm trying to get another 10 off, but um, over what period of does. time? Over what period of time, Colin, for your 14 kilos? Uh, it's been over three and a half months. Oh, well done. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, well done. done. So I think um, like sugar, sugar and those carbs, like as I was saying before to um, Bridget, I think um, the challenge when you lose, when you lose a lot of body fat is working out what maintenance is going to look like because maintenance can't look like what your diet was like before. So I'm a big fan of the like everybody being coming more of a sugar detective and making that more of a way that we live our lives that we just don't eat anything with processed sugar in it and that we really do adopt a more of a lower carb, low pro, lower processed grain diet not just from the weight point of view but from the diabetes point of view from a a brain health point of view. So, yeah, I think I think what you're doing is actually a healthy way of life to continue with. Yeah, I found it's uh, it's it's really a lifestyle now rather than an actual diet. Yeah, that's great, Colin. That's um, that's how you know you're successful in making those changes is when it becomes more of your lifestyle and it's not. You don't feel like you're restricting yourself, so well done. That's got to be – yeah, well done, Colin. For, what, 14 kilos in three months? That's three over, months. That's over a kilo each and every week. Yeah, that's About phenomenal. one and a half. Well done, mate. That's the key, isn't it? Whenever you do this stuff, it can't just be seen as a, you know, I'm on a diet now for a little while and then I can go back. You've got to get in your mind that it is that whole lifestyle change. Look, it is, and, and a lot of things have to change for you to be successful in maintaining your weight loss. Like everybody I know that's – Lost, tried to lose weight over their lifetime has got stories of the times they've been successful and then often the time when the weight's come all back on again. Mm. And, um, you know, I've had people even say that to me in the past that, you know, that diet didn't work. And I'll say, why? Well, I lost 30 kilos, but then when I've finished the diet, I'll put it all back on again. And unfortunately, it's a lot of those old patterns that we have that resurface. And I know for me in my family, we tend to be all over eaters. So, for me to, you know, and I've lost weight before, lost 10 kilos, put 10 kilos back on because those patterns are still there. So until you address those patterns, find, as Colin said, find a way to make this more a lifestyle. That's the challenge for all us that, you know, would like to lose those few kilos. But it's such a, I, I love talking about weight loss because it, 
it looks at our emotional well-being, our stress levels come into it, our so many other factors come into it that you know can really have if we can sort of improve those areas, we can just have such a better quality of life, not just be leaner as well. Peter, at this stage, it looks like we might be stretching this out over a couple of weeks. Uh, pretty popular so far, and we didn't even get to your second point. I guess all about diets, and I, I love what um, what Colin was saying. Not prompted, he was talking about his experience that it's not diet; it is a lifestyle, and he's changed his whole lifestyle to suit what he wants to achieve. And and by goodness, he's achieving it. And that's probably more my point around um, uh, Bridget earlier talking about the HCG. Or maybe not Bridget, maybe the lady before talking about the HCG diet. It was diet Bridget, is, yes. The HCG diet to me is not a lifestyle that you can continue with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I liked, I, I liked the, the common sense approach of Colin's approach of, you know, low, low carb and becoming a sugar, sugar detective, like working out where the sugar and carbs hide in our food. You know, it's been estimated that the average Western adult or in Australia has about 40 teaspoons equivalent of sugar a day. Not in added sugar, but like in bread, in pasta, Mm. in, you know, added sugar as well. 40 teaspoons and our kids up to 60. We we kind of think of sugar generally as, oh, I'm having my tea or coffee. Well, I'll cut down on the two to one and, and yeah fine go ahead and do that but it's all that stuff that's in all of the other foods isn't it it's it, it, it can be a struggle to get away from it obviously not for colin though no no and obviously it's working really well for him so all right now i know we won't get into uh, enough time to get into these next week but uh we'll be two part back next tuesday with it hormonal imbalance and also um some other factors uh, as well but heading to the phone, uh, Jan at Valentine, uh, you've got a question for Peter today, Jan, on weight loss. Good afternoon, Jan. Good afternoon. Um, yes, hi, Peter. Um, something that I've often wondered, I, I have an ongoing battle uh, with increasing weight as I get older. I'm almost 70. Yes. Um, and um, I'm, I've wondered if it's been my lifestyle. Uh, I don't drink a lot of water. Um, and I don't get a lot of sleep. I'm a night owl. I find it difficult to actually get to bed uh, because I just don't get sleepy. Um, And then, of course, you tend to still wake up reasonably early. So I've often wondered if this is... Because I don't overeat. We eat a lot of vegetables. Uh, We eat... um, We restrict the the red meat... um, um, keep it to fish and white meat uh, most of the time. Um, and I'm just wondering if its lifestyle uh, has any effect on it. Look, de- definitely one of the big aggravators I find for women, particularly as we as we get older, is um, poor sleep patterns. And um, mm-hmm. if you're not getting enough sleep, sleep and poor sleep or sleep deprivation has definitely been linked to difficulties in losing weight. So for a lot of my clients that are really have a lot of um, stress hormone, like they're sort of usually the flat-out busy people always doing stuff um, mm-hmm. and then have trouble settling at night time because their stress hormones are still too high. Mm. Um, and these are the people that, you know, often where there's elevated cortisol will carry. Do you carry more of your weight around your tubby, tummy, Jan? It has been uh, since I've um, not been able to play a lot of sport due to injury. Um, yeah. I used to play quite a lot of tennis and since I've not been able to do that yes the um it has been going on around the middle yeah so um, we tend to, tend to relate that to mm. um carbohydrates 
um, and also cortisol as well. So hormones definitely can play a big factor, but getting your sleep sorted. And the other thing as we get older is we've got to do what we can to try and increase the exercise as well so we get a bit more leverage with our metabolism. But, yeah, definitely with you, lifestyle would be playing a big factor. Okay. All right. Looks like I have to start trying to get to bed at a reasonable time. Absolutely. 9.30 is the bomb. (laughs) <laughs> all right, thank you very much. Good luck with it, Jan. It's a bit tough, isn't it, Peter? Because, and this is where all those other factors come into play. Because, in terms of what's going on the the plate at dinner time, it, it seems okay. A lot of great stuff there, but uh, it, that's the big part of the battle. But it's not the only part. Yeah, look, it's a challenge for sure. And I often talk to patients because patients will come in and they'll say, you know, I eat a really healthy diet, but I can't lose weight. And I say the problem is your healthy diet is more maintenance. You're not getting into fat burning. Like quite literally, your body won't burn fat, won't burn your fat stores unless you've restricted the calories and changed where those calories are coming from. Mm. So quite literally, the body's not designed to just switch on fat burning unless there's no sugar available for it to burn first. So this is why, you know, someone can be doing really well for two days, you know, and then day three have a muffin to celebrate how well they're doing and then do another two days super strict and be frustrated on day five that they've not lost any weight. It's because the muffin took them back out of fat burning and they're back to burning sugar again. Mm. So even even fruit, if someone's in the early stages of trying to get into a, a bit of a fat burning program, sometimes it's necessary to cut out the fruit because that little bit of extra sugar will again derail the body getting into that fat burning. So sometimes it's more, and even with Jan's questions about vegetables as well, you know, eating more vegetables isn't necessarily the ideal if you know those veggies are more the root vegetables or the high sugar content but everyone's an individual but the challenge and i feel for a lot of women particularly as women go through menopause and get older because they don't have the muscle mass that men have and it's our muscle mass where we burn sugar for fuel so the more muscle mass we have the bigger the engine the more calories you're going to burn even just sitting at rest so women, as they get older, they've got the hormonal insufficiencies. They've often had a fair amount of stress for a long period of time. Their thyroid might be, and we'll talk more about hormones next time, but, mm. yeah, it's that lack of muscle mass, and in Jan's case, not sleeping, can be the two things that can really make it difficult for these people to get into fat burning without really getting into the nitty-gritty of their diet and diet change. All right, Peter, we're clocks are run out on us. That's the end for us today. But never fear, we'll get into some more of those uh, reasons why weight can be a bit of a challenge here with you next week on Health and Wellbeing. As always, thanks, mate. We'll talk to you next Tuesday. Yeah, thanks, Mark. I'll see you then. Hopefully it won't rain when I go outside. <laughs> uh, no, I think you are right. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.